Amen. Let's go in our Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And we are looking at planning your life God's way. This is a practical help from the Bible for making decisions. Uh, the book by Dr. Tim Berry, and uh, we've been looking at that. Uh, this uh, Tonight, we'll be looking at chapter 4, which is how to transform your discernment and look at a very familiar passage of Scripture, one that I, I uh, touched on recently, Romans 12, 1 and 2, which we oftentimes don't think of as a verse concerning knowing God's will, but that's exactly what it is. Uh, if you start at the end of, uh, of the passage, it says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, but Romans 12, 1 and 2, many of us have it memorized, says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that's what this series is about, uh, how to plan your life God's way, how to know His will. And this verse says that you can prove, you can know that your life is headed in the direction of God's choosing. Let's start with a word of prayer. Lord, help us as we look at the truth of your word from this passage and glean some things from this book. We pray that you would help us uh, to sub submit our lives to you and not be conformed to the world. Lord, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And Lord, that we would know, that we would be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Help us tonight, Lord, to make application as you teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been in the ministry for a few years, not as many as uh, some, uh, but I guess more than some as well. And uh, I've had my share of opportunities to counsel. Before I got into the pastorate, I did do a lot of counseling. It was mostly with teenagers, though. That seemed to be my niche. And so I would be talking with a teenager after maybe a Christian school chapel service or after an evangelistic rally, and they would have questions and so forth. Uh, and sometimes I've had the opportunity to give counsel to someone who's on the verge of making a terrible decision with their life. And they come to you uh, and they say, here's what I'm going to do. I got it all cooked up. What do you think? <laughs> and you say, oh boy, this is not going to end well. Uh, I don't know how many times this has happened. Not just teenagers, by the way. And uh, you say, well, uh, thanks for letting me know what you're thinking. Uh, here's what God's Word says, and you lay out the Scriptures. It's very clear. And uh, I've counseled other people in your situation who did what you did, and here's where they ended up. And then you go, thirdly, to your own personal experience. And there's been a few times in my life I did some stupid things and it went contrary to the Word of God. It didn't end up well for me too. And, and you take time and you, you plead with them and you hope that they will take your advice. But oftentimes... Folks just can't see it. They've already made up their mind. They've already decided that this is the direction that I'm going to go. Maybe, and I always wonder, why did you even come and ask me? Like, what was this about? And I don't know if, if it's just something that they have to check that box for their own conscience sake. I talked to the preacher um, or whatever. 
uh, but they're, they're already going to do what they're going to do, and there's been many a time where I've realized, you know what, my time is better spent with this person just praying for them, uh, because there's nothing else I can do here. They've made up their mind. And oftentimes, the person is in the middle of horrible circumstances and darkness and despair, and, and in that state, they lack discernment. They can't see what they need to see to be able to apply Scripture to their life. And it's not that the answers aren't there. It's not that the Bible's not clear. But in that situation, with that person in that state of mind or that state of heart, they cannot see their way clearly to apply the Scripture to their life. And many people will blame it on God and say, God didn't help me. How could God let me make this mistake? Or where was God when I needed Him? Uh, and God's not answering my prayer and, and all of this. Well, the, it's not the Word that is the problem. A lot of times the conflict happens when our own interests have blinded our minds and, and, and just consumed us to the point where we can't hear and we can't see well enough to apply. Let's read Romans 12, 1 and 2 again. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's see, first of all, the characteristics of God's will. So in order to do this, we have to start at the end, and we work back to the beginning. We'll look at the characteristics of God's will. And first I'll give you a quote from the book here, from Brother Barry. A surrendered body and a transformed mind are what enable us to discern what things around us partake of the qualities good, acceptable, and perfect, and therefore are the will of God. So uh, we, we, we cannot understand what things uh, fit these characteristics of good, acceptable, and perfect without first having presented ourselves to the Lord and surrendered ourselves to Him with a, a surrendered body and a transformed mind through His Word. So the characteristics of God's will, first of all, uh, number one is that God's will is good. I don't think this is, comes as a shock to any of us, uh, though Satan certainly tries to tell us that God's will is not good. And we oftentimes buy that lie uh, or sometimes Satan will take something that's evil and call it good and get us to buy that lie. And, oh, this is God's will for you? Yeah, it's good. But actually, it's, it's wicked. Um, uh, we need to recognize God's will, according to this verse, is good, plain and simple. Not everything you and I view as good is actually good. You know, my, I think of my kids. I think of little Erica. Erica uh, is, is lacking discernment, shall we say. She's, she's not yet two. Is she even one and a half? I think she, yeah, she's over one and a half, yeah. But, um, you know, I think, I, well, I shouldn't argue with the Lord, but to me it would seem like kids shouldn't be able to walk until they can talk and think. Uh, but Erica, she learned to walk from, like, the womb. Uh, and so you have this individual who cannot talk, cannot communicate, cannot think a lot of things through and yet she can go everywhere she loves to climb and she's fallen a couple of times down the stairs and 
off of things and so forth. And we try to tell her, this is not good. This is not good for your life. And she's like, oh, it's good. It's good. I know what's on top of that thing. And up she goes. And she sees us put the candy up there or whatever. Everything good gets moved to the high ground. She wants the high ground. So she's a climber. Uh, she loves to play with things that plug into outlets, you know, and we have told her so many times, Erica, no, 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 no. However, moving her, moving it, and we have the little plastic plugs in the outlets, but uh, she, we had a lot of Christmas lights in our house, and uh, she, she loved to plug them in and say, pretty, then unplug them, and then plug them in, pretty. And one time she got her finger in between the plug and the wall, and she provided the, what do you call that? The conduit, thank you. She was the connection. <laughs> okay. And uh, she's had curly hair ever since. She was actually straight hair before. <laughs> uh, but she, she loves that kind of stuff. And it was good to her, but as a, as a parent, you're looking at it going, oh, that's not good. Uh, she, she loves to wrestle the dog. And the dog usually gets the worst of it. Believe it or not, she beats on that dog. Uh, but once in a while, she, oh, ow, you know, and she got a little something. How do you teach a one-and-a-half-year-old what is God's will, what is good for their life? I think uh, we, uh, the Lord gives us insight into how it must be for him to teach us, honestly, uh, because our perspective is so clouded. Uh, we, we often just cannot see why God is withholding certain things. And we can't understand why God will not uh, see this as good when I see it as good. And truth is, we lack maturity, just like my daughter. And we need to grow in maturity. And we need to trust the Father. We need to trust His Word. When God says, when the Father says it's good, it's good. When He says it's not good, it's not good. Not everything that you and I view as good is actually good. And unfortunately, <clears throat> we do not always increase in wisdom with age. I mean, you would think that it should happen. And we do, I think, learn some things and so forth. But as far as, as, far as spiritual wisdom and spiritual insight, it's not a default that you're just going to mature spiritually as you mature physically. There are certainly uh, many Christians who have stagnated in their growth. They've stopped growing years ago. You know, that's one thing you're not supposed to do is stop growing. We should, be, we should be deepening our walk with the Lord, deepening our understanding of Him and, and understanding uh, why He calls certain things good and so forth. And we make bad decisions as we get older. We make decisions that hurt our family. You know, there's lots of factors and we, we pick and choose certain factors and forget about other factors in a decision. Uh, this job pays really well. It's going to be great. For the family, except the family will never see you, and uh, you're not going to make it to church, and you're not going to be there for your kid, and so forth. Uh, you know, we, we, we get into a relationship because we need companionship, and companionship is good. And I, God doesn't want me to be lonely. God wants me to, be, to have, have, have a fellowship and friends and so forth. So you, so you get this certain relationship, and, and lo and behold, it undermines your character. And it guts your integrity. Uh, for young people, maybe they're not quite uh, 
uh, where they should be as, as, as um, uh, founded on some good foundation and they head off to pursue a, a degree and, and maybe they get into a university and uh, I'm not saying this is wrong, but for some folks, some folks aren't ready for a university. Uh, some folks are, some folks aren't. There's been a lot of kids who said, oh, this will be the greatest thing for my life. I'll get this degree and then I'll get this job and I'll get this money and I'll be great. Except uh, it can be the undoing of you if you're not able to stand. Uh, if you end up in a place like Babylon, you better have a walk with God like Daniel and his three friends. And uh, you, need to, you need to weigh all of the factors. You say, oh, this entertainment choice might be a little sketchy, but ah, you know, it's no big deal. But subtly over time, your worldview is being eroded. You know, we should be increasing in wisdom as we increase in years, but it's not a default setting. And, and many times we still struggle with what is good in God's will, even at a later age. The truth is God's will is always that which is good. A couple of verses here, Matthew 7, 9. What man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? You know, I, haven't, I have not given my kid yet a stone when he asked me for bread. You know, Dad, can I have a biscuit? We had biscuits tonight. Oh, sure, son. <laughs> you know, who does that? Maybe somebody does somewhere. Uh, but he says, you guys don't do this. Who do you think I am? I'm not doing this either. Uh, I, I'm not going to give you a stone when you're asking for bread. And the truth is, folks, I think many of us are asking for a stone thinking it's bread. And God's not going to give you the stone. He's going to give you the bread. We, we don't oftentimes know what is, what is good and what isn't. And many times we ask things that are amiss, the Bible says. We ask amiss that we might consume things among our lusts and so forth. Psalm 106.15 says, And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Sometimes God gives you your request. He says, you really want a stone? You've been begging me for a stone for 15 years. I've been telling you for 15 years that stone is not bread. Yeah, 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 I want it. <laughs> okay, here's, here's the stone and leanness for your soul. God's will is good. Don't think that we can uh, uh, do something shady or wicked or evil or whatever and, and call it good and make it God's will. Uh, these are characteristics of God's will. First of all, God's will is good. And that, also that word good means beneficial. It is beneficial to you. It is in your best interest to know the will of God and to do it. It'll be good for everybody involved. But secondly, God's will is acceptable. Acceptable. <clears throat> this is the idea of well-pleasing. There's a lot of cross-references here. I won't read them all in the book, but he just gives uh, several here in the book that... Uh, basically just, just uh, show all the way through the Scripture, uh, this word is, is usually meaning a well-pleasing in God's sight. In other words, it's not necessarily what pleases me that's acceptable, but it is that which pleases Him that is acceptable. But here's a, a neat little caveat. That which pleases Him will ultimately please me in the long run. 
may take me a while to catch up with it, but that which pleases God is also going to please you and I. I've definitely seen that play out in my life, and uh, maybe you have as well. But I'll tell you this, nothing that displeases God can be his will. Nothing that displeases God can be his will. Here's a quote from the book again. Dr. Barry says, no matter how much we might like it or think it might be okay with God, no matter how many of our friends agree with our sentiments, if it goes against God's stated likes and dislikes, it is not his will. As we are praying, as we're seeking God about a certain decision or a certain direction, are we thinking in terms of, Lord, please let me do this. This would be so pleasing to me. Is that how you pray? I mean, that's human nature. I probably prayed that way. You probably have too. I'm not condemning you if you have. I'm just saying it would be a better prayer, more biblical to say, Lord, I'm praying about a certain direction, praying about a certain decision, but Lord, I want to do that which is well-pleasing in your sight. Lord, would this please you? Because ultimately, if it pleases God, it's going to please me. I may not uh, see it right away, but I will see it eventually. God's will is good, and his will is acceptable. It is well-pleasing. So as you're looking at your life and asking, well, I wonder if this is God's will, well, ask, is this certain thing good? Is this certain thing well-pleasing to God? And take, let them pass the test or fail the test. Thirdly, God's will is perfect. This is the idea of attaining an end or purpose. Uh, the will of God is perfect in that it attains His exact end or purpose in your life. There is no perfect life or perfect story. Uh, all of us are, 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 are human and fallen and sinners and so forth. But it, it can be perfect in this sense. Your life can be perfect in the sense that your life attains His exact end, His exact purpose for you. Perfect. Uh, we got a trailer when we found out we were expecting Samuel, when we were in evangelism. And we had held off on getting a trailer. We'd been in evangelism for, uh, let's see here, we'd been in evangelism for two years, uh, full time. Uh, before that, we were still very, very much in evangelism, but in and out, I was finishing up school. Uh, so two years full time in evangelism, we were, found out we had, were expecting Samuel and so we said, well, we saved up for a trailer. Now let's start looking for a trailer. And we found an old trailer, 40 feet long, and it came from a long line of evangelists, which now I know you never buy a trailer from an evangelist. Why? Because you can't trust those guys. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. Uh, that's not it. No, because they beat the tar out of it. You know, Brother John's here and he'll tell you, you don't buy from an evangelist. You buy from some retired couple who drove it to Arizona, parked it, and drove it back. And that's it. That's who you buy it from. Well, I, I didn't know that. But I think the Lord was in it. So I bought this trailer that had been blessed by several evangelists. Uh, so I bought it from... Who did we buy it from? Oh yeah, Barba, sorry. Dave Barba, he had it for so many years. And before him, Steve Pettit had it before him. Was there somebody else before that? I can't remember. So hey, there's two evangelists who, who blessed, blessed this thing. 
and it was old, but I'll tell you, it met our needs. We were looking for certain things. We were looking for uh, bunks in the back for the kids and washer and dryer. A lot of these trailers don't have washer and dryer. A tub, not just a shower. She wanted a tub so she could bathe the babies and all that. Every single thing she wanted, that trailer had and had a few more things that we didn't <laughs> know about. But we would have said, and we did say, this was perfect for our family. I learned how to fix stuff every single week. You'd drive it, park it, fix all the stuff that fell apart. Then you'd leave, go to the next week, park it, fix all the stuff that fell apart. You know. But it was perfect for our family in that, yes, it was old and beat up, but it perfectly met our needs on the road for our family. Everything that we were hoping we could do, she ended up uh, homeschooling in that trailer. And uh, we had three kids in that trailer, then the, the other two came here. Uh, old, beat up, yes, but perfect. And our life may seem old, beat up, we've made all kinds of mistakes and so forth, but His will <clears throat> is perfect. And our life can have that, 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 that aspect of, of knowing that we have accomplished His end, His purpose in our life. <clears throat> His will is perfect. And also, I always say when I'm preaching on this passage, and I've always preached Romans 12, 1 and 2 in evangelism from the time I got started to the time I ended, uh, if the Bible says that God's will is perfect, that means it's complete, then that means you're not missing anything you're supposed to have. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So many kids are afraid of missing out on something. I always was. I, I was one of those teenagers that had to know what was going on. And I don't want to miss anything. And so-and-so went over to so-and-so's house and I didn't get to go. Oh, you know, uh, I don't want to miss anything. Hey, the best way to go if you don't want to miss anything at all is to pursue the will of God with your life. You can't miss what is already complete I like to say to folks, well, you might miss a few things. Yeah, a lot of scars, a lot of regrets, a lot of dead ends, a lot of hurt. Not saying that you'll never have those things, but in the will of God, as you, as you pursue His will, there's a lot of damage that you might miss out on that, you, that could be self-inflicted. Now, having said that, even if you have made a lot of mistakes in your life, God is so big, He can work those things together for good and still get you to that desired end or purpose that He had for your life, which to trust Him. His will is good, acceptable, and perfect. Even if you get there a little bit late, hey, you still got there. And God can bring you through. The characteristics of God's will, that first of all, His will is good, His will is acceptable, well-pleasing, and His will is, will is perfect. He has a specific end. It's complete. You're not missing anything in His will. So that's the characteristics of God's will. But let's talk about proving God's will. Proving God's will. <clears throat> Secondly, these <clears throat> three characteristics that we saw, good, acceptable, and perfect, are what our passage singles out as uh, the content of what God wants us to be and to do. But you might ask, how? How, do we, uh, how are we to know 
what in our lives and circumstances, circumstances exhibits these three things. So first of all, we're to prove them. This has the idea of approving after have, uh, having examined carefully. But you know, you cannot even examine or rightly prove without a certain ability. There are certain things I'm not good at examining or proving. You might say, hey, come over to my house and, and uh, <clears throat> check the plumbing and see if this will pass the test. I, I couldn't help you there. I could tell if it's leaking, <laughs> you know. Uh, there's certain things that I don't have uh, the ability to discern. And as we seek to prove God's will, we need to have, we need to have a certain perspective, a certain uh, uh, ability in the sense of being able to prove. And we're going to get to that in a moment. Luke 12, 56 says, Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and earth, but how is it that ye do not discern this time? They weren't able to discern what was right in front of them. They were blinded. Luke 14, 19, and another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. He's going to go prove these oxen. I can't prove oxen. I can't tell you if there's a good ox or a bad ox. I'm going to walk up there and look in his mouth. Yep, that's teeth. I, mean, I don't know what else to look at. It looks big. Yeah, he made a grunt. Sounds good. Somebody else could prove an ox. Uh, you know, there are certain things that you may have an expertise in and you can therefore approve. How can we have an expertise in this matter of proving what is God's will? Well, we go to the prerequisites for proving God's will. And that's supposed to say God's will. I apologize. Prerequisites for proving God's will. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It starts with, the first prerequisite is a surrender of your body to God. It starts with surrender. And uh, so many verses uh, help to back this up. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, which ye have of God and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are God's if you are saved. He shed His blood he applied it to your account. He washed away your sin. Your sin was laid on Him. He died in your place. And so you have been purchased. And therefore, since you have been purchased, it stands to reason He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And so you wanting to know that plan would mean, first of all, surrender to the one who purchased you in the first place. Surrender your body to God. You know, I've heard preachers say the only problem with being asked to be a living sacrifice is uh, we can crawl on and off the altar. That's true. You know, it's not just a one-time surrender, but we need daily surrender. We need moment-by-moment -moment surrender. First John, uh, th then we have, uh, secondly, a refusal to be conformed to the world. So there's a surrender to, to, to of our body to God, but there's also a, a refusal to be co conformed to the world. And 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh, 
And the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, a refusal to be conformed to the world would be the second prerequisite here. The first being a surrender of your body to God. I'm surrendering my body to Him, and by the same token, I am refusing to surrender my body to conformity to this current world system. The ownership of the world. 1 John 2.15 talked about lust. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Uh, these things are present in every day that we live. You know, there's so many slogans. Um, Brother Barry points out a, out a, a few slogans here uh, that are, you, may be, you may be familiar with. Um, here, I'll say the slogan, you say who, who's it from, all right? Have it your way. Burger King, there it is. Um, I'm loving it. McDonald's, there it is. Save money, live better. Close, they do have a save big money at Menards. I know Menards. Save big money, okay. Uh, save money, live better. There it is, Walmart. How about the happiest place on earth? I had one from Budweiser, but I want to ask you guys that because I don't want to know. I don't want to know who knows. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, okay. Uh, so you have these slogans, and and uh, you know th th where they have they th this world. They they have their idea of. Of, of what brings happiness and so forth. Disney, the happiest place on earth, and Burger King, have it, have it your way, and uh, all of these things. And, and not, not, I'm saying there's not, there's not anything wrong necessarily with those slogans, but I think oftentimes we buy into the world's system so much that uh, we think that we can be like a celebrity because he has a certain shoe, and if we have that shoe, now we're like that celebrity. You know, if I buy this cologne, now I'll, I'll be cool and accepted, and and uh, the commercials put all this, uh, this advertising to get us thinking a certain way and to just get us grounded in the world and just sucked into the world. And they work hard with, with their marketing, their advertisement, and so forth. And uh, the world is, is trying to gobble us up and grab our perspective and grab our heart so that we just live for the things of the world. We're, we're so materialistic. Everything is marketing-driven. Uh, lust, thou shalt not covet, that's still... Uh, in, in, the, in the Bible, it's still one of the Ten Commandments. And yet, covetousness is what commercials are all about, right? Trying to get you to covet that next thing. And uh, you have last year's model car. Oh, you need this year's model car and all of that. Uh, you know, we will never be able to know and do His will while we are just... Uh, committing ourselves to chasing all that this world offers. doesn't really have much to offer, but it looks like it does. And we're chasing every dream of, of this world. You're not going to be able to know His will. It says, be not conformed to this world. The world system is, is a system that puts mankind first put yourself first and god well for many he's not even in the picture conformity to the world is one of the biggest hindrances to identifying what god wants for your life james 4 
4 said, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? For whosoever will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And so for some of us, we can't find God's will because our heart is, is not where it should be. Our heart is chasing all of these selfish pursuits, and yet there's something in the back of our head that says, I should pray for God's will. I'll go talk to my pastor, or I'll go to seek out some counsel, and hey, how do I find God's will for this, or whatever? But that's not where my heart is. It's going to be harder to find His will. The prerequisite for proving God's will, prerequisite number one was surrender of your body to God. And number two, a refusal to be conformed to the world. And thirdly, a renewing of your mind through the Word of God. A renewing of your mind through the Word of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As the Spirit of God teaches you truths from the Word of God, your mind is renewed. And then you can experience what it is to have a transformed heart, a transformed outlook, a transformed worldview. But without the transformation that takes place by the renewing of our mind, we cannot adequately discern His will. I'm amazed how many times people want, uh, they want like a miracle pill. Uh, I, Brad's the doctor. You know, where's Suresh? Suresh is back here. I'm sure you guys have had this. Some guy comes to see you. And, and everything is wrong. And he wants you to give him one quick, here it is, go take that to the pharmacy, and life will be perfect. And you ask him a bunch of questions, and now, now uh, are you getting any sleep? No. I stay up all night watching Netflix. Oh, okay. Uh, well, what do you eat? Cheetos and Mountain Dew. Oh, okay, that's it? Cheetos and Mountain Dew, man. Okay, and uh, do you ever exercise? Yeah, I do a lot of reps. Cheetos, Mountain Dew, you know? And I alternate. Okay, so you, you figure out this guy is going totally the wrong direction, and yet he wants some miracle pill. Give me this miracle pill that's going to make me feel better. I feel terrible! And that's how we come to God. Oh, man, I need, I need things to go better in my life, and I think... It might have something to do with God's will, you know? I, I, I think he, he, he loves me. He gave his son for me. It would make sense. He's got a plan and a purpose. I should probably pray for it. And so, yeah, yeah, I want God's will. But I'm not going to surrender my body to the Lord. I'm not going to uh, uh, reckon with my conformity to the world. No, 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 no. I don't want to do that. I, I certainly am not renewing my mind in the Word of God. And that's what I came to you for. You're supposed to give me the Word of God and tell me what I'm supposed to do. I mean, uh, uh, so, but, but yeah, give it to me. You know, if we, are not, if we are not seeking God in His Word on our own, I think it's great to go to the preacher. I think it's great to get counsel. I'm all for godly counsel, Christian counseling, having maybe, maybe even an ongoing counseling relationship with a counselor that can help you take steps. But... If you don't have something going every day of the week that you are working, you're not going to get anywhere. And it's the same with everything else in life. It's the same in, for the doctors here. It's the same for the, the guy who goes to see the, his, his trainer at the gym. 
once every other week. That's the only time he ever trains is once every other week. And the trainer says, you're supposed to be doing sit-ups all week long. No, I'm just going to do them with you. It's just not going to work. It's not going to work. The Spirit of God wants to teach you through his word. And then we go to the multitude of counselors. There is safety. And yes, we can go to the pastor. We can, get some, we can get some things from his word. But if we are not, first of all, committed to his word individually on our own to read his word, to study his word, to respect his word, to expect God to speak to us directly, we're not going to have that renewed mind. It's the renewed mind that we need. You ever had God just open your eyes? whoa there it is i remember when i got glasses now i don't wear glasses anymore my eyes corrected themselves i don't know how that happened but uh, when i was in high school and college uh, i went to go get glasses maybe it's because all the books the books killed my eyes or something i don't know but uh, uh i i went to go get glasses and i i put them on in the car on the way home I'm looking at the trees, and I'm looking at the grass, and individual blades of grass. Anybody else have a similar experience when you first got your glasses? It's like, what in the world? This is amazing. Wow, where was this? Uh, after college, I stepped on the glasses, and uh, I just never bought them, and my eyes have been fine. Uh, I went in for an eye exam, and they said, you're good. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll see how that lasts. But his word does that. His word will open your eyes and give you discernment. You know, we live in this world, but we are citizens of another. But since we live in this world, we are daily being bombarded with certain things, and we have to be careful, we have to be vigilant, we have to have a, a, uh, a plan to make sure that we are guarding ourselves, guarding our heart, because constant absorption desensitizes how do you deal with desensitization well the word of god the word of god can renew the mind that has been in the wrong place for way too long the word of god can take that mind that has ruts worn in it and you just think down the certain path and you just stay in that path and the Word of God can, can, can build that back and transform your mind. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The prerequisites for proving God's will is to first surrender our body to God. We're not going to find his will while we're saying, now God, I really want to do this, but I want to see if it's your will, so will you let me do this and call it your will? No, no, no. It is, Lord, here is my body. I'm a living sacrifice. I am yours. And, and as I'm giving myself to you, I'm turning my back on the world. I'm not going to be conformed to them, pressed into their mold. Lord, I want to know your word. I want your scriptures to transform my mind so that I can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Those are the prerequisites for proving God's will. And then, fourthly, a transformed you. Our mind is transformed, and then everything else follows. 
Romans 6, 12 said, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. And then Romans 13, 14 says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. It is this transformation that, that we need so that we'll even pray the right, uh, pray right. In other words, not just asking amiss that we might consume things on our lust, but we're honestly seeking God for His will for our life, which is His life that He purchased with His blood. I'll close with this verse. Philippians 1, 9 says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. We're going to get into in the book some more. Uh, he's going to break it down more as far as finding God's will and, and giving you some practical how-tos. But I, I noticed uh, he, he's laying a lot of groundwork first. If you're like me, and maybe you are, maybe you're not, I love the practical how-tos. When I first got the book, I skipped straight there, <laughs> you know. Uh, so how do we break it down? There's a decision. What's the flow chart? How do we do this thing? You know, and I, then I thought, oh, I better not do that. I better back up and read everything else. Well, why does he put the how-tos off? Because there's a lot of foundation that you got to have. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in judgment. That you may approve things that are excellent that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. This comes from a heart of one who has surrendered themselves to the Lord, has, has, has no desire to just go with this world. You want what God wants for your life. You are renewing your mind with the Word of God, and now you're going to be in a better place for the practical, if you will, the practical how-tos of how do we actually work through finding God's will and a certain decision. The practical how-to is the flow chart's not going to work if your heart is in the, in the wrong place and if your feet are pointed toward the world. Uh, no, we can't, we can't wed God's will with our will. It doesn't work that way. So we need to transform our discernment and it's going to happen through the renewing of our mind in accordance with His will. Are you on the pathway to proving God's will? Are you surrendered? Are you, are you renewing your mind through His Word? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank You for Your faithfulness. Thank You for Your Word. I pray, Lord, that we would have our eyes opened as we get in the Scripture and our mind is renewed. I pray that we would know the truth that would set us free. Lord, our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. We can't know our own hearts. And I pray, God, that we would uh, just have your eyes, uh, 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 your perspective. And may our hearts, Lord, be surrendered to you. Lord, teach us, Lord, to prove your will as we uh, prayerfully seek to plan our lives God's way. Lord, we thank you for this time now in Jesus' name. Amen.